Now, in December 2013, uh, the Formula One racing driver, uh, Michael Schumacher, was skiing in the French resort of Meribel. And the area is called the Three Valleys. Now, while Schumacher was skiing, uh, he came across an unsecured area. And, of course, he fell down. And he hit his head on a rock. And he sustained a brain injury. Thankfully, he had a ski helmet on. And the doctor said that if he hadn't been wearing one, actually he would have died instantly on the spot. And, of course, if you know the story of Michael Schumacher, he was immediately put into an induced coma to save his life. And a year later, in 2014, uh, he regained consciousness and he was released home to continue his recovery. But as you know, if you know the story of Schumacher, you know that life of Schumacher has never been the same. His experience in the Three Valleys have left him mentally scarred. He would never walk again. In fact, it was his, I think, 50th birthday or something like that. It was some milestone in January, and we got some news about that. And again, he's just there at home. Uh, very pe- few people are allowed to see him uh, there. I wonder, when did you last have a valley moment? When your life was going normal and was suddenly interrupted by difficult challenges? Maybe a sudden bad, bad tan in your health. Unexpected. Just you got the doctor, they give you a diagnosis that you just don't expect. Or perhaps it's at work, a new boss arrives. Everything's going well at work. All of a sudden, a new boss arrives, and suddenly your job prospects are now looking dark. A valley moment. Or maybe you get an unexpected call from the headmistress or the headmaster. And the headmaster is saying, your child is out of control. And he urgently needs attention. And you're not expecting that. You think everything has been going well, and all of a sudden your life turns upside down. Or maybe a relationship you are valued unexpectedly turns sour. Or perhaps you just get it with an unexpected financial strain. That's beyond your control. A lot of people experience that during the lockdown. A lot of people are experiencing that at the moment. Life is made up of many valley moments like that. Some of the valleys, of course, are open and dark. And even though they are dark and open, well, they are dark. And, but they are open in the sense that everybody can see that we are going through the valley. Right? Like death of precious loved ones. It's a dark valley, yet it's open. Everyone can see we're going through that. On Friday, of course, our sister, Sylvia Long, went to be with Christ. Our home core is a painful valley for us as our family in Christ. Of course, our dear sister had gone through that dark valley itself for quite a period of time. Of course, we love her and we miss her dearly, and especially the family misses our dear sister. The valley moment. Some of the valley moments we experience are hidden, aren't they, from people. As we go through the valley, people can see us, that we're going through it. They're only known to us. Loneliness, anxiety, eating disorders, addictions, fear, 
only known to us, hidden valleys. And of course, I know that on top of these valley moments, as I said, uh, particularly the valley moment we are going through as a church, you may have other valleys in your own life. We all go through all kinds of valleys in our lives. And when we're in the valley, there are a number of ways we react to those valleys, isn't it? Some choose dogged determination. They just carry on like nothing has changed. It's a keep calm and carry on, as I call it. British spirits. You, the, your world has changed, but yet you just pretend it hasn't and you just carry on. Dogged determination. Some people try and escape their valleys. By busying themselves with social media, books and television, and gardening, books, shopping, or the latest Hollywood gossip. They are coping with the valley through escape. Many of us like to phone a friend, don't we, for help. Uh, these may be real friends, or it may be Google. Google has become the answer to our problem, isn't it? Uh, it becomes the old fountain of knowledge we go to to look for answers. If we don't go to Google, we tap up some online community we have come to value and we seek answers from that. But, but whether you're Googling or calling a friend or escaping through retail therapy or whatever it is you're doing, we know in the end it never works, does it? It never works. And the reason it never works is this, is that in looking for answers in all these places, what we're doing is we're chasing the problem. We're trying to run after the problem and trying to solve it. King David, who wrote Psalm 23, experienced many valley moments in his life. And he shows us here a different way, a better way. It's an infinitely superior way of dealing with our valley moments. David had learned the answer of how we get through valley moments. Instead of chasing his problem, David chased the person who had all the love and all the power to get us through every valley moment in life. And that person is identified for us at the beginning of Psalm 23. Uh, his name is the Lord, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. The word Lord here is the personal name of the one true God of the Bible, Yahweh. And when we skip to verse 4, we, we see that King David summarizes the relationship he has with the Lord. Look at verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. That's a wonderful summary. By the way, when you're reading through the Psalms, usually the Psalms, the way they're done is that the summary of the Psalm usually lies somewhere in the middle. It's a good thing to read through the Psalm and you head for the middle. It's not always the case, but usually it is. And in this case, the truth of the psalm is in the middle. David, the key phrase here is, for you are with me. For you are with me. David is saying, my key to facing valley moments is that I know the true God is with me. I am confident that you, the true God, are with me through thick and thin. The answer to my problems is not chasing after my problem. It's not even trying to comfort myself. It's to know that you are with me. And you know, the wonderful thing is that if we are trusting in Christ, Jesus, we can be just, I would say, even more confident than David was. 
Because God has dressed himself in our flesh, in the person of Jesus. Jesus is the God of Psalm 23. And we can be confident that God is with us in every valley we are in. And this morning, this morning I just want to show you three things from this psalm. Three important ways in which God is with us. With all who trust in Christ. It's there on your outline. First of all, God is with us as our provider. God is with us as our provider. Over the last month, a couple of weeks, we have seen our terrible war in Ukraine has left many of its once vibrant cities looking like a dystopian wasteland. It looks terrible down there. The heart-wrenching pictures coming out of Ukraine have reminded us again and again that we live in a desperately needy world. And all of us sense this neediness, don't we? Yes, you slept in a warm and safe bed last night. And you have all your basic needs of life provided for, unlike the people in war-torn Ukraine. But you and I also have the same worries that they do. Yes, it's not peace and safety, but you have other worries in your life. You've got things you need to be provided for. And you know that none of us are able to provide for all our needs, right? No matter how rich, how smart, or how powerful you get, you can't provide for all your needs. And the reason you can't do that is because you and I are not God. Only God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, can truly provide for every need in this life and beyond. Not just this life, we need to be provided for beyond this life. And so that immediately means that God is our greatest asset in life. God is the one we need. He's our greatest need in life. And David had learned this lesson. He had come to understand that true provision is found in God giving himself to us. Not in the things, however wonderful those things are, not in the things God gives us. But in God himself. Look at this one. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want And then when when David thinks there about how God gives himself to us, notice the image that he gives us, the picture that comes to mind. The picture here is of a shepherd giving himself for the sheep, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, I don't know when last time you you, you had, um, you saw a sheep and a shepherd, or a shepherd and the sheep in, um, in person. I don't know when you did that. Maybe if you went abroad to the Middle East on holiday or something like that, you may have seen a shepherd and a sheep. We don't live in farming communities anymore, so the image of a shepherd really doesn't come very natural to us. So when I think of a sheep and a shepherd, the image that comes to us, I just think of a mother and a child. That's the closest parallel in our society we can think of. Because the mother provides herself for the child, takes care of the child, all the child's needs, just as the shepherd takes care of the sheep. And David is saying here, God always provides for, for me, for my material and spiritual needs to such a degree that I don't lack anything that I truly need. 
That's what verse 1 is saying. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Verse 2 to 3 says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice there the material and spiritual needs are underlined there by David. God is saying, David is saying, God is with me. And because he's with me, all is well. In short, he's saying, I have many needs in life, but I know my greatest need is God. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's saying, he's saying to God, it's not the things I need, Lord. What I truly need is you. You are my shepherd. And you know what, as I said, what is true for King David. It's true for everyone here who truly trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, it is true in the sense that your greatest and deepest need in your life is not things, it is God himself. Your greatest need is not a good career. It is not a good marriage. It is not a good education. It is not well-behaved kids. It is not better politicians. Listen, your greatest need is not even a better church. Your greatest need is having a true and growing relationship with the true God. One which you can say with David, the Lord is not someone else's shepherd, is my shepherd. My shepherd. And if you are in Christ, you can say that with David. Because this God of David has come to us in the person of Christ. Isn't that what we read in John 10? Christ calls himself there the good shepherd, isn't it? I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 10 verse 11. Christ is God our maker who has come and walked that road to Golgotha carrying the cross of shame. He came to be torn, beaten, and nailed to that cross of wood to take on himself the punishment of the Almighty God for your sin and mine. Here is a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep to bring you into a living relationship with him. Christ suffered the guillotine of the cross to restore you back to God so that you can be his sheep forever if you truly trust him. And so the question here this morning is, is are you trusting in Christ? Well, if you are, then know that God now lives in you and you live in him. So whatever valley moment you're in, you do not need to worry. You can say with David, the Lord is my shepherd. You have all you need in Christ. You have all you need in Christ. Because Christ is your shepherd. And so go to God this morning. Ask him to provide for your need. God is able, is powerful and willing to care for all our needs. Now this does not mean that God will give us everything we ask him, right? Because God is a good parent. You, you, he can't just give us everything we want. This also does not mean that 
We can force God to do anything by words we say or even by the level of our faith. You know, some people believe we can speak things into existence. Well, that is witchcraft. We can't command God to do anything. He's not a genie. He is our father. God has promised to meet our needs according to his will, not to give us every wish. It's so important we understand that. As I said, he's a good parent who gives us only what he deems best. And he knows what is good for us. And you know what? The more I have walked with Jesus over the years, the more I have come to thank Jesus for my many unanswered prayers. For many unanswered prayers. I have looked back and said, praise Lord, you didn't answer that prayer. Because it was a wrong prayer. The Lord sometimes gives us the luxury to look back. And say, praise the Lord, you didn't answer that prayer. Look, I don't want what God does not want for me. Because I am learning every day that my father knows all things and he knows best. And by his grace, I am learning to want what God wants for me. Now, this is very painful. That process is a very painful process. It's a painful process for us as a church, particularly think of the last difficult six months or more. We've had eight months we have as a church, losing our beloved uh, saint, Sister John, and losing another giant of the faith, Sister Sylvia. I don't want that. The family didn't want that. But Father knows best. And we can look, we, I'm convinced we'll look back and say the Lord did the right thing. He worked and strengthened. If we don't discover that in this life, we'll certainly look back in eternity to know that the Lord did what is right. That's Christian maturity, isn't it? Wanting what God wants. And my prayer for you is that if there is a need you have, please surrender that need to, to the shepherd. And if it is something God accepts as a real need, he'll provide you for it. He's a real shepherd. But if it is something you simply want, he won't give it to you because he loves you too much to give you that thing. Or he may say, not now, I'll give it to you when you're ready. Trust God. Learn to trust God with your need. That's Christian growth. He will provide for you if and when he sees fit. Because God is with us as our provider. That's the first truth we learn from this psalm. God is with us as our provider. The second truth David wants us to learn here is that God is with us as our protector. He's not just our provider, he's our protector. That's the second truth. You know, we all have our fears, don't we? As a country, we've just lived through the fear of COVID-19. We're afraid about that, weren't we? Fear everywhere, masks everywhere, and all that. Legitimate fear. And some are still living in fear of that. The big fear, of course, we are living through right now is the fear of Vladimir Putin and Chairman Xi of China. We are worried about that new axis forming and splitting the world now into and endangering everyone around the globe. They are worried about NATO. We are living in times of fear. The world 
will never be the same again, we've been reminded. That's globally and nationally. As individuals, we have many things that rob us of sleep at night, don't we? Maybe it's fear for our children. What will my son or daughter be like in a few years' time? Maybe it's fears for how you will die personally. Is it going to be progressively debilitating disease? Will I eventually die alone? There are many things that we have fears about in life. You know, King David had many reasons to fear for his life, if you know his story. He once faced a lion. You and I have never faced a lion. But he faced a lion by himself. Then, of course, he faced Goliath, didn't he? And then there was King Saul hunting him down. Imagine the whole army hunting you down. And then there was Absalom. A blood feud in the family when the son decides to come after you. David ran away. Ran away, vacated the, the palace. Many fears he had in his life. But even though David had all these dangers, the summary of David's life is in this psalm, which is David did not live with fear because he knew God with him. God was with him as his protector. That's verse 4, isn't it? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You know, David here is picturing himself walking through the valley, isn't he? And as he's walking through the valley, uh, he notices that uh, the valley itself, by the way, is a place of danger, isn't it? It's a place of darkness, right? That, that's, the, that's the image of the valley. But as he's walking now through this valley, David recognizes that he's not by himself in this darkness and danger. No. David notices that there's a presence around him. There is a personal bodyguard there. God has come, if you like, as a shepherd to guide him through. That's the image he's giving us. Look at this four again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He notices that he's going through this valley accompanied by a personal bodyguard, the God of the universe himself. Imagine the eternal God being your personal protector. Sometimes I ask, you know, what would you consider to be the safest place or situation on earth that you can imagine? Maybe you, immediately what comes to mind is the White House. Well, if the White House is the safest place on the planet, then you've got more faith than me. I mean, you have more faith than me in Joe Biden because Joe Biden is not in a position at the moment to look after anyone. So the White House can't be the safest place, right? We, we might think police protection programs, they are pretty safe. But as, as many women around the country testify, the police are not the safest people to be around. Always. The truth is that there is nothing that compares to the almighty God being our personal bodyguard. And no wonder David says he doesn't need to fear when he's with God. He is the only one who can protect him. Look at this for Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for you, the almighty God, are with me. David is confident that no matter how ugly life gets, it will be okay. And we can be confident that if we are trusting in Christ, we are with the Almighty Protector in our lives. 
You know, when we repent of our sin and trust in Christ, it changes our lives. We are now living with protection from within and from without. From within because the Holy Spirit lives in us. And is nourishing us, caring for us from within. From without because God the Almighty rules over all things. And is now our shield and defense. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people. We learned when we went through the Psalms of Ascent. Beloved, if you are in Jesus, you will never be overthrown by other forces. You are safe, you are enduring, and you finish the rest of life to the end. Now, the Bible is not saying that because God is our protector, we will never be attacked by sin, Satan, the world, and all kinds of human suffering. The Bible never says that. Some people think they'll become so holy that they'll be insulated from suffering. Then they haven't read Psalm 23. Look at Psalm 23 again in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice there, the protection comes within the valley of the shadow of death. Beloved, God does his great work of shepherding us through the middle of the dark valley of the suffering. Not away from the valley. If you believe you can grow so much that one day you will be kept away from the valley, then that's not the Christian life. The Christian life is the shepherd protecting you through the valley. Christ has called us to walk through the valley. He has called us to suffer for him. That's 1 Peter 2, verse 20 to 24. And if you are suffering, it's not because you have a lack of faith. In fact, it might be quite the opposite. It's because God has now deemed it fit that your faith has now reached a stage where it needs to be purified deeper so that, we can, so that it can shine as pure gold. Suffering is a privilege the Lord reserves, especially for those that are growing to know him deeply. There's a privilege to suffer. And it's a privilege of walking through the valley. The reality is that the more we grow in our walk with Christ, the more valleys we walk through. But we do not need to be afraid because God is our protector, isn't it? In the end, nothing will happen to us that our Father does not permit. And if the Lord is permitting your current suffering, it's not because he has left you alone. It simply means he knows this valley is for your good. And as a child of God, all your valleys, beloved, as a child of God, all your valleys are better than not going through the valleys because the benefits of it brings to your life always outweighs the costs to you. Now, I'm not saying you have a big testimony in this life. I am not saying that you all of a sudden you go through the valleys and then you can share that the Lord has done great things for you. You might just continue going through the valleys. What I'm saying is that on that great day, you'll be able to say with confidence when you see the Lord Jesus face to face, Lord, you did all things well. There will be no regrets on that day. David here is reminding us, isn't he, as children of God, that you have the most secure life in the whole world because God himself is our protector forever. It's so important we understand that. And we need to remember that, especially today, isn't it? As we grieve the home core of our dear sister Sylvia and other saints that have gone before us. 
The Lord is our everlasting protector. He not only protects us in this life, He's also the one who protects us in death. He brings us safely to Him. The Lord ensured that Sister Sylvia was brought, as she was, she, was, she was giving up her spirit, as it were, that she was being brought into His very presence, safely into heaven. Christ our shepherd gently led her into heaven, into His very presence. To see his face and bask in his glory. This is the hope of every true Christian. Because God is our protector. In life or in death. Death for the believer is not the last word. When we die we shall be with Christ forever. And one day God will raise us up with new bodies and new characters. To live in the new heavens and the new earth where righteousness dwells. And that brings us to the final truth David shows us here, isn't it? God is with us as our provider. God is with us as our protector. And finally, God is with us as our friend. I'll go through this quickly. Uh, God is with us as our friend. A few years ago, an American company called Rent a Friend launched in Britain. You may remember that. The idea is that people search for a friend by postcode, photos and profile. I think it's been overwhelmed now by Facebook. <laughs> um, but the idea was that people search for a friend and then negotiate the hourly rate with their chosen friend. And the company I checked is still going. <laughs> it's still going, but noticing the reaction, you obviously haven't signed up. Uh, praise the Lord for that. Now, <laughs> I suppose as I thought about that, I mean, everything's up for sale in our society, right? So why not friendship? <laughs> why can't I buy a friend, right? <laughs> Uh, well, King David certainly had bucket loads of cash to buy or rent loads of friends. But he knew that after his friendship is not found in people. It is found in God alone. And God is not available to rent. Amazingly, God is available for free. Look at verse 5 to 6. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just want to say the picture David has here is that of God as a host now. So we've had God as a shepherd, God as a bodyguard, and now we've got a third image of God now as a host in his home. That's verse 5. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. Right? David is saying God's friendship with him is intimate and, and, and he spares no expense. We know that because of how verse 5 continues. You anoint my head with oil, precious oil, expensive oil. Not just a little oil. My cup overflows. This is mind-boggling friendship from God for David. And this is not a flash in the pan sort of party, right? It's not a party you come in and you're, you're welcomed in the home on a particular Sunday and then that's it. No. This is constant hospitality for life because verse 6 continues. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David says. All the days of my life. It's like David is now living in a fully five-star hotel forever. A divine five-star hotel forever. With abundant care from God himself. 
David is saying, look, God has given himself to me to refresh and equip me forever. I have all the access to the love and care of God now. I will never run out of his love. Because verse 6 continues, doesn't it? And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I don't know whether you've had a best friend before. Have you got a best friend? I used to have a best friend uh, who died when he was very young. George Sampa. We were very, very good friends. When I think of best friends, I think of him. He died from sickle cell when he was young. Even now, it's amazing. We were 14 then. Even now, I think of him as a, as a, as a, as a best friend. When I think of that, we also think of deaths. We think of our best friends as often either our spouse, but most especially sometimes our parents, isn't it? Mothers especially in our lives. I can honestly say, as I think of my mother, who's gone to glory as well, is that she was my best friend. But as we think of such wonderful best friendships that we have, we recognize that friendships in life are temporary, aren't they? They are temporary. But here we see a friendship that cannot be separated by death or by earthly enemies. David has this friendship with God. And, and if you're trusting in Christ, the God of David, as I said, is your friend forever. Because that's John 15, verse 15, isn't it? I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. I mean, that is our comfort, isn't it? That God is our friend. And that is a comfort also for our loved ones that have gone to glory, isn't it? That they are with their best friend now, the Lord Jesus. And so just to conclude what we have learned here, David is teaching us in this psalm, is that if we're trusting in Christ, God is with us in our valley moment. He's with us as our provider, as our protector, our friend. And beloved, I want to encourage you this morning to let this truth flood, as it were, the riverbanks of your heart. Let it sink in today. Let it sink, let this truth sink in so deeply that it outcompetes all other thoughts in your heart. That God is now with you in Christ as your provider, your protector, and your friend. If that truth does not move your heart, it is because God to you perhaps is just a word. Because beloved, let us think about who God is. Whenever you think of the word, whenever we use the word God, you should sometimes pause just to reflect, what am I talking about here? When I say God, when I say God is my protector, my, 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 my provider, and my friend, what, what do I mean? Who is this God? Beloved, God is our true and living God. Eternal. That is to say, no beginning, no end. He's independent. That is to say, you cannot influence him in any way. He is self-existent and self-sufficient. Unchanging, absolute in dominion. He is the most holy, 
Infinitely perfect, infinitely wise, infinitely good, infinitely just, infinitely glorious. He's a loving creator and sustainer of all things. And I'm only scratching the surface because I can't define God. Only God can define God. But in the Bible we get a glimpse of this God, isn't it? And it is this God who is with us. It is this God who says to you this morning in Christ, I am your provider, I am your protector, I am your forever friend. It is mind-boggling that God can say that. How can the one who owns the very fabric of time and space call me a sinner? I am your provider, your protector and friend. How can the almighty God himself bleed and die on that cross, on that ragged cross for me, so that I can call him my provider, my protector, my friend? It's beyond words, isn't it? The only response as we come to this psalm is, as we look at this psalm, as we read it and we read it in our own time, it's just whatever situation we're in, even as we grieve, is to respond to him with thanks. Because everything else drowns in the truth of this God. So let this psalm nourish your heart with gratitude. As we think of our dear sister Silva, let us think of who she's going to be with. Our provider, our protector, our best friend. She could never be in a better place. And we can't have a better God. <laughs> and so I ask you this morning, are you facing your personal valley? Well, bring that burden on your heart to him. Give it to our great shepherd. Don't let another minute pass. If you truly trust in Christ, surrender your burdens to our Lord Jesus. He wants to be your strength. So surrender to him now in weakness. And let him care for you. But I, but I just want to remind you before I end, which is this. This psalm is so well liked, right, that it is read at many funerals, even by non-believers. It is one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. But sadly, it is also the most misunderstood. Because you see, the man who wrote it, David, was a man after God's own heart. He had surrendered his heart to God. The promises of Psalm 23 are only for those who can truly say they have surrendered to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And God has given them a new heart. And I encourage you that you take on the words of this psalm. Don't live here with a false assurance. Surrender to him. Come to God. Repent of your sin. T- trust in Jesus. Be, and then you'll be able to say with David, God is with me as my provider, my protector, and my friend. Amen.